0: Hey, everyone, just a little disclaimer before the episode begins the audio on this episode isn't the greatest Specifically my audio Aiden seems to be pretty consistent, but mine can be super choppy at times We think this is because we recorded uh, the podcast in the same room for the first time something we had never done before Uh, So if you can bear with us through this one, uh, we promise that this is an issue that won't happen again With that being said, let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to episode seven, finally, of the On The Run podcast. My name is Devin Dorn. Alongside me, as always, my friend and co-host,
1: he's Aiden Stanky. Dorney, here we go. This is a special episode. We're on episode seven. This is our first in-person episode. Uh, I just feel like it's going to be a whole lot better than, you know, over over the computer, one province away episodes. But episode seven, we finally made it in person. Let's go, baby.
0: We are two months removed, Aiden, from our last episode. We both got very busy. Life got in the way. We actually recorded a podcast that never ended up getting edited and put up um so yeah it's been a long time the last time we put up a podcast it was the one right after the all-star break and like Aiden said there's been a lot of changes that have come along with this episode we're in person for the first time we're right beside each other it is 12 45 mountain standard time on May 13th and I'm gonna be honest with you we've had some beers in us haven't we Aiden
1: uh we're you know we're we're buzzing a little bit but You know, when when that happens, the knowledge speaks. So let's go, baby. Let's hear. Let's go. Let's go. I could
0: not be more excited to be back. And I know you feel the same way. Uh, This is a completely different energy to it. I love it. Um, It's late. We have so much to talk about. Uh, With that being said, on today's show, Aiden and I will discuss the last month and a half, two months of the NBA catch up on all things basketball. We'll look at matchups going into the playoffs, the big storylines. We'll look at award winners from the 2021 NBA season. And then after the break, we're gonna dive into the NHL. Their playoffs are also less than a week away. And we will talk about the state of the NHL going into their playoffs. Very exciting stuff. All of this and more coming at you right now on the On The Run podcast. Oh, baby, it feels good to be back. Uh, As you'll see, we've titled this episode 7, but the last podcast we put out was episode 5. Well, why is that? Well, I told you it's because we recorded an episode. It never got put up. That was episode 6. It's the Lost Files. It never happened. So we're skipping right to episode 7. This right here on May 13th um, is episode 7. Aiden, how are you feeling about being back? Before we get into things, we're going to dive into a lot of stuff this episode. How good does it feel to be back? And not only back, but we're in person.
1: It feels great, buddy. Um, you know, it's been a long time, like you said. Uh, it was, it was, it's a lot easier in person. It was a little difficult, but not too bad. But, um, but yeah, I'm excited to be in person here. Um, you know, just absolutely buzzing to be, to be in person and, here we go! I'm excited for it. It's been a long time. Uh, a lot of things have happened, like you said earlier, in the NBA and the NHL. We have a lot of things to cover, yeah. but uh, regardless, we're going to do it. And uh, you know, I'm happy to be back. Life is out of the way. School done for both of us. Uh, we're full summer ahead. Uh, a lot of, a lot of basketball, a lot of hockey, a lot of sports to be talked about. So this is just a start. This is, like you said, this is our first episode live in person. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here and uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's hear Let's go, baby. This
0: is a new beginning. This summer is going to go crazy. The On The Run podcast is absolutely going to pop off. We're going to have a lot of cool stuff coming at you guys. I know Aiden and I have had a lot of good ideas, um, a lot of different kinds of episodes we want to record in the future, and that will all be coming your way soon. But in the meantime, This episode, Aiden, it's been so long, like we said, the last episode we put out to the public was right after the All-Star Game. And here we are, less than a week out of the NBA playoffs beginning. So much has happened. So Aiden, I'm going to start us off with a very general question. Let's look at the overall landscape of the National Basketball Association. Aiden, if there is one thing that has surprised you between, I believe it was March 5th when we put out our last podcast, and today that's happened in basketball, what would that be? This could be a team. It could be a player popping off. It could be a player playing really bad. It could just be a storyline in general. What? has surprised you between our last podcast and right now?
1: Dorney, I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm going to be 100% real with you. It's the Phoenix Suns.
0: Ooh, Homer. Homer.
1: We're alert, but this is, everybody knows, this is my favorite team. Um, we Last time we talked, we were discussing uh, whether each team is a true, you know, championship contender, if I'm not mistaken. And we had six teams that were labeled. And I said, I said myself, and to be honest, it's one of my greatest regrets so far this podcast that the Phoenix Suns are not a championship contender, um, because you know we sit we sit here right here May thirteenth, the Phoenix Suns are forty eight and twenty one, second in the Western Conference, second in the NBA record. Um, you know, it's 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 a very homer pick, but back then, you know, what a, a month and a half ago, we were, last time, you know, we released an episode. We discussed which teams are true championship contenders and and uh, you know, I think I I have my doubts as as big as a Phoenix Suns fan I am. Phoenix Suns fan I am. I don't think uh this team's a true true championship contender, but this way, buddy, we're we're 3 games left in the regular season and the Phoenix Suns have the second best record in the NBA. So, you know, I'm uh, I'm here for it. Um, I'm I'm excited. This is the first time in ten years I'm going to see Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. So I think that's my that's my biggest surprise, to be honest with you. It's it, it's an easy pick. I mean, it's like you said, it's a homer pick. But it's it's the truth, man. Like it's over the last month and a half, the Phoenix Suns have gone from second to second place in the West. Like we we've, we've seen the exact same second place to second place. So. Yeah, that's it.
0: So for a little bit of context to our listeners who may have missed this episode, um, I posed Aiden uh, with some teams in a previous episode. I said, are they contenders or not? Do they deserve to be in the conversation of best teams that could possibly win a championship? And to my surprise, when I asked Aiden Stanky if the Phoenix Suns were in that conversation, he said no, and that surprised me because uh, Aiden, if you didn't know, is a diehard Phoenix Suns fan, uh, ride or die with this team, and at that point, the Suns were still at the top of the Western Conference, but he didn't believe that they were there.
1: But, but, but to, it, Sorry to excuse you, Dorney, but the only reason why I said that, and I'll, I'll clarify for anybody who didn't listen to the previous episode, the only reason why I did not say that I believe that this team is a true contender is because of our playoff experience. I'm looking at our roster right now, and we have two players on our entire roster that have playoff experience. That's Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. We
0: talked about this last time, Aiden. What has changed from now to then to for you to put this team in championship contender conversation?
1: Back then, man, a month and a half ago, I believe that we're a true playoff team, and we are. And I'll be honest with you, at the, at the beginning of the year, uh, when when the Phoenix Suns traded uh, Kelly Oubre Jr., um, Ricky Rubio, and a first round pick for for uh, Chris Paul, I believe that we would immediately become a playoff team. Let's let's not deny that. I believe that we were going to be a playoff team, but I was expecting like in a load at a Western Conference a five, six, seven, eight seed, a two seed, and right now we are only we're only a game and a half back of of the first seed. Yeah, and yes, there's only three games left in the regular season, so we're we're most likely gonna finish the two seed. But if you were to tell me when we made that trade for, for Ubre and Rubio and first round pick for Chris Ball that we're gonna finish the two seed after ten years without making the playoffs. I I I, I, I try to tell you that you're crazy. There's no way. So you know at the beginning of the year I think I thought that we were gonna be you know a five, six, seven, eight Maybe uh, a first-round exit playoff team. And who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what kind of matchup the Suns are going to get? But, you know, we did not have the experience. And a month and a half ago, yeah, we, we were a truly great team. So what changed? That's
0: my question, Aiden. I'm not talking about from the beginning of the season. We talked about this a month and a half, two months ago. The Suns were sitting atop the Western Conference where they still stand today. So my question to you. What changed between now and then so that you think that your team can now contend with the giants of the Western conference? Well,
1: uh, dude, we we beat since we last spoke, we beat the bucks. We beat the Celtics. Mm. We beat the Knicks. We beat a whole bunch of top teams. We beat the jazz twice. We beat a lot of top teams in the Western conference, the Eastern conference. And I don't know, man. Those are just telling games, and I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. Like there's, like I said, there's three games left in the regular season. I don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs, but whatever happens come playoffs time, this season was an absolute success for the Phoenix Suns. But my biggest concern, all I'm talking about, my biggest concern was a lack of playoff experience. And like I said, Chris Paul and Jay Crowder are the only two players on a roster who's ever played an NBA playoff game, a singular playoff game only two out of 15 so who knows what's going to happen that's my biggest concern but um you know i think out of the western conference i think this team is the real deal they've they've showed all season that uh you know they're the real deal so we'll see what happens but that's my that's been my biggest surprise so far uh let me ask you this question aiden uh the suns
0: right now um are 48 and 21 um They're set to finish, I believe, second in the Western Conference. Things are still subject to change. Like I said, it's very early morning on Thursday, May 13th. But uh, as of right now, the Suns should finish finish second in the Western Conference. Um, I know, Aiden, as a Suns fan, you're keeping an eye on that Los Angeles Lakers team who is currently sitting in the seventh seed uh, preparing to possibly, most likely, play a, a play-in game against the Golden State Warriors. And if they win that game, they clinch the seventh seed and will play your Phoenix Suns in the first round. Phoenix, after, like you said, not making the playoffs in 10 years, they climb all the way to the top of the Western Conference. And their gift for doing that may be A, meeting with the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers, which probably is not ideal. I mean, they haven't been healthy all year. We know that, and that's why the Lakers have slipped so much. But it seems like Anthony Davis is back healthy, hitting his stride, and LeBron James is set to come back come playoff time. Aiden, as a Phoenix Suns fan, what are your thoughts about possibly facing... The defending champion Lakers. When you finally make it back to the
1: playoffs, I am going to be completely real with you, buddy. I am very nervous as a Suns fan. Um, You know, obviously, a lot of people know whoever listens to this podcast since day one that my, you know, my favorite athlete of all time is LeBron James, and I cheer for LeBron wherever he goes. But dude, come come a situation where the Suns play the Lakers, I am a diehard Suns fan till the day I die, and I am coming over to your house watching the suns versus lakers series and i'm coming here watching wearing a Devin bucker jersey i mean like whatever happens it happens but i'm, I'm rooting for my sons like i said it's the first time in 10 10 years that the suns have made the playoffs hmm. and and like you said what do you get we we are most likely to get a matchup with lebron james anthony davis and the defending champion but
0: in a normal year you're most likely to get a real seventh or eighth seed. When you're the two seed, you expect to find a team who has 46, 47, 48 wins. Maybe the Memphis Grizzlies, maybe the Portland Trailblazers, maybe the Golden State Warriors this year. You don't expect to get the Los Angeles Lakers with, in our opinion, the greatest player of all time. And, Quite possibly the best sidekick in NBA history in Anthony Davis. Oh, I'm a Laker fan, and I can feel your frustration as a Suns fan, though. If I was cheering for Phoenix and we finally made it back, Chris Paul comes, Devin Booker's getting better, Aiton's finding his role. You have all these great role players, Mikel Bridges, Cameron Johnson, uh, Campaign, like all these guys. Know what the role is. Their stars are breaking out, and this team has been so well put together all year. And you get the Lakers in the first round. Oh, I'd be
1: so frustrated, and I feel I feel that pain for you, Aiden. I really do. That's honestly, it's the worst possible situation. I think like the Suns have worked so hard this year. The our GM. Our head coach, Monty Williams, who I believe should win Coach of the Year this season, um, taking a non-playoff team to the second team in the Western Conference, definitely should win Coach of the Year. Um, but, you know, for finishing second in the West, like 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 we, we just discussed, we get the L.A. Lakers with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the defending champions. I mean, it, it's just extremely unfortunate, but I'm going to be completely real with you, bro. This just sums up Arizona sports. <laughs> um 2012 uh the la kings beat the arizona coyotes in the western conference finals third round la kings win the stanley cup every single year the la dodgers are one of the best teams in baseball the diamondbacks are are above average but just not good enough to beat the dodgers um you know arizona cardinals football uh, last year last last game last game of the season and uh w- winner goes to playoffs loser goes home L.A. Rams versus Arizona Cardinals, and the Rams win. You know, this just sums up, you know, Arizona sports, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, this, who knows? Like, this is all hypothetical, man. Like, who knows? Maybe the Suns go out and absolutely annihilate the Lakers, but I don't think that happens because we saw, like, three, four days ago, Sunday, May 9th, the L.A. Lakers beat the Phoenix the The LeBron james L.A. Lakers beats the fully healthy Phoenix Suns. 123, 110, Anthony Davis has an absolute game. He puts up 42 points, 12 rebounds, five assists. And man, like, I'll be honest, DeAndre Aiden, I love DeAndre Aiden. He has six points, six rebounds. The Suns don't have a player to cover Anthony Davis come playoff time. So this is a very worrisome matchup for the Suns.
0: That's the worst matchup in the world is the Suns getting AD. And... I don't watch a ton of Suns basketball. I watch a fair bit because they're a very exciting team, but I know I don't watch it as much as you do. Other than DeAndre Ayton, who could even match up with AD? I mean, isn't their backup center coming off the bench like Dario Saric? Uh, Did they have Frank Kaminsky? Like, who else could they possibly
1: throw at this guy? This isn't 2013, 2014, Wisconsin, Frank Kaminsky. we're talking Uh about here. This is NBA Frank Titan who we cut last season to Phoenix Suns. We cut last year. He went to Sacramento, got cut from there, and we re-signed him. No disrespect to Frank Kaminsky, but um you're not stopping Anthony Davis come playoff time. Um but no no, like our backup our backup center would be Dario Sarge. And Dario Sarge has been has played, I think, the best basketball he may have ever played this season. But again, no disrespect to him. You're not stopping Anthony Davis because Mikel Bridges, who I think we might, de- we might discuss later, I think is one of the best um, defensive players of, of, of the years, is uh, one of the best defensive players this year. Uh, I, I definitely think he makes an all-defensive NBA team, um, most likely all-defensive NBA second team. But every single night, Mikel Bridges is up against the best player that the Suns are playing against, and he's handled LeBron James well. But, you know, he handles LeBron come playoff time nobody's stopping AD. And that's just a one-two punch that not a lot of teams can handle.
0: Uh, I completely agree, Aiden. Uh, I think that was some good Suns talk. We might come back to the Suns. We're going to discuss some potential playoff matchups a little later in the show. But right now, I'm going to give you my most surprising team uh, of the NBA season or the last little bit since we recorded our last podcast. And Aiden, that is the... New York Knicks. Um, I'm a New York Knicks fan. Does that mean you're my favorite team? No. Wherever LeBron is my favorite team, I'll be the first to admit that. But I believe that the NBA is better when the Knicks are good. And the Knicks haven't been good in a very, very long time. Uh, Since they made the NBA Finals in 1999, they had a rough 2000s. Uh, They got Carmelo Anthony uh, in the early 2010s, uh, made the playoffs a few years, won a series or two, never did any real damage. And from 2015 on, this team's been an absolute disaster. Um, But to everyone's surprise, here they are right now. The New York Knicks are currently sitting in the sixth place in the Eastern Conference at 38 and 31. And if I'm not mistaken, Aiden, they officially clinched a playoff spot tonight. The New York Knicks, if you can believe it. I'm on cloud nine. This is awesome. When playoff basketball is being played at Madison Square Garden, I think that's just so good for the league. Let's go through this team a bit. And I really think it's a shocking turn of events that the Knicks are here, Aiden, because let's take a look at some of the stuff that's happened over the past few years with the Knicks. They get Kristaps Porzingis, uh, who turns out to be an absolute stud. To everyone's surprise, he's a lot better than what people predicted, especially Knicks fans who booed him on draft night. He plays really well for them, but Injuries kind of take their toll. He ends up getting dealt to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Knicks fans were like, why the heck did we just deal our best player? Um, what is our future here? Some of the draft picks they've made in recent years, Aiden, have been really bad. Dennis Smith Jr. hasn't turned out at all. Uh, Frank Milikina. He's played 29 games this year. Aiden, he's averaging 2.7 points. He was a lottery pick. Kevin Knox, same thing. He's played 42 games this year. He He's averaging 3.9 points. These are high draft picks that the Knicks had, and they turned into absolutely nothing. Mitchell Robinson, their center, who, who was having a good few years before this year, has only played 31 games. He's been hurt for the vast majority of his season. Um, The Knicks were right there to win the Zion sweepstakes. Uh, They end up not with Zion Williamson, not with John Morant, but they fall to three and get RJ Barrett, who's not a bad player, but he's nowhere near the level that Zion Williamson or John Morant is. Um... They were also in conversation at Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant this summer, this past summer, 2019, sorry. That didn't happen either. Aiden, how the heck are the New York Knicks in the sixth seed right now, higher than the Boston Celtics, higher than the Indiana Pacers, higher than the Toronto Raptors, higher than all, those te- all these teams who you would assume would be in the playoffs, but yet here the Knicks are.
1: No, it's a great point you make. Uh, the NBA is better 100% when Madison Square Garden is packed watching the New York Knicks playoff basketball. New York City is a basketball city, yeah. um, no doubt about it. Um, so, yeah, no, the league is a, is, a, is a better place when the Knicks are good. And this year has been terrific, man. Last year, they were woeful. The <laughs> Knicks last year were a terrible <laughs> basketball team. And I agree with you, man. Like, I have no reason to hate the Knicks. I enjoy them when they're good. And this year, as of two nights ago, when when the, the Knicks and Lakers played on May 11th, I believe it was, a tight, tight two-point game, that night they were in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. And as of today, early morning, May 13th, the New York Knicks have clinched playoff basketball, confirmed. Um, so, you know, I'm excited. Um, right now they're currently six. Sixth or sixth place, they're tied right now for fifth with Miami. They're only a half game back, fourth for Atlanta. Uh, with or sorry, with Atlanta, with Atlanta, excuse me. So, what's going to happen in the next three games remaining? Who knows, um, seating wise. But Julius Randle this season has been unbelievable. Uh, obviously, comes in the trade with the Knicks. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's been he's been world class this year. Um, you know, I've I've really, really enjoyed watching him play basketball this year. But over the past few seasons, like you mentioned, Dorney, like Nerlens Noel, he's he's been a player that's just come out of the blue. Obviously, he was a high draft pick. I believe he was picked six overall in the 2013 draft. Yeah. And that's a draft that's absolutely loaded with, I'll be honest, with straight-up underdogs. I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo picked 15th. Stephen Adams, twelve. CJ McCollum, tenth. Um, you know, Victor Aldevo second. You know, those are those are very high quality NBA players. <clears throat> so obviously, the, the next recent draft picks have been somewhat questionable. But I remember last last summer, man, everybody was was making on Twitter all these all these predictions and and you know, all these little little posts about Kyrie and Kevin Durant going to the New York Knicks, getting the first or pick with Zion and all of a sudden you're the next big three. Next thing you know, Kyrie and Brooklyn go across town to the Brooklyn Nets, not the Knicks. <laughs> and, you know, they, like you said, they got RJ Barrett a couple years ago who, who I love. He's a, he's a Canadian and uh, you know, I know that you have a RJ Barrett Jersey as a Knicks, but you know, I, I love RJ Barrett and I, I, I hope he does well in New York and hope he has an excellent career and I'm absolutely hoping for the best of him uh you know as a Canadian um but respectfully he's not John Morant or Zion Williamson no Zion Williamson like you mentioned um but you know what happens what happens but this year has been an unbelievable season for the Knicks they've clinched playoff basketball for the first time in a while um, so I'm extremely happy for them but their biggest difference maker this year is is uh, Julius Randle.
0: It definitely is Aiden and just quickly before I talk about Julius Randle a little bit let's go through the New York Knicks uh, record starting from the 1415 season. Uh 1415 they finished 17 and 65 then 32 and 50 then 31 and 51 then 29 and 53 then 17 and 65 and then 21 and 45 what gave us the indication that the New York Knicks were going to turn it around and do what they're doing this year i don't i don't think anything gave us that indication they didn't have some huge draft pick that was supposed to come out of nowhere and turn this team around um R.J. Barrett's been pretty good. He's averaging 18 this year. Uh, six rebounds, three assists. He's been pretty good. They traded for Derrick Rose this year, who I think has just been awesome off the bench for them. Uh, D. Rose came in at about the five-minute mark of the first quarter, and I think he made more of an impact um, on both ends of the floor than Alfred Payton did. I Honestly, I don't know why this team, uh, Tom Thibodeau, continues to start Alfred Payton. Um, and that's probably the one knock I'll give against Tom Thibodeau this whole podcast because what he's been able to do with this team is nothing short of spectacular, but I just can't believe that Derrick Rose comes off the bench because he closes games, and from what I watched, especially the other night against the Lakers, Derrick Rose definitely does the most out of their point guards. Um, Emmanuel Quickly, who's their draft pick this year, he's played 61 games, just about all of them, He's averaging 12 points. Um, I mean, he's been really solid off the bench. And finally, though, Julius Randle. I mean, this guy, 24 points. He's averaging 10 rebounds, 6 assists. And Aiden, I know we are going to get into this a little bit later, but I think it's fitting to talk about it now. Clear cut, in my opinion. No doubt about it. 2021 NBA's most improved player, Julius Randle. You rarely see a guy who comes in and not only his stats boost like this, but he has this much of an impact and his stats turn into winning. Um, This is no knock against Jeremy Grant, who went to Detroit, had a really good year up to scoring. But Detroit's last place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. on the Denver Nuggets. I think he's averaging 25 points a game. He's been really good as well, really good offensively. Uh, Not near the impact. Chris Boucher for Toronto. A pleasant surprise. Nick Nurse has brought him off the bench most of the year. Um, And in in the minutes he gets, he definitely makes the most of them. But in my opinion, none of them come close to Julius Randle. Julius Randle has guided this Knicks team to a playoff berth for the first time in six or seven years. And I don't know how anyone couldn't respect what he's doing right now. Um, like I said, it's a miracle that, that they're even here. Is that, is that wrong?
1: No, you're completely right. Julius Randall is the reason why, why the Knicks are so, are so good this year. Um, This year, compared to last year, he's up uh, five and a half points per game. He's up uh, almost three whole assists a game. He's up uh, about half rebound a game. So you know that's that's five and a half, uh, three and a bit, and a whole rebound almost. So his his stats have completely improved. Uh, He's been a terrific player to watch. He gives he gives all out effort, offensively, defensively. He loves to game basketball. Just a pleasure to watch this year. And do you think there's a
0: case to be made for anyone else to win M- NBA's most improved player, or is it his by runaway?
1: No, his by runaway, without a doubt. Um, you know, you, you can make arguable cases just for the sake of argument, but there's no doubt that he's the, that he's the most most improved player this year.
0: I completely agree, Nate. and Aiden. The funny thing is most of the time with this award, we see a guy whose stats really improve, and they go from, let's say, 10 points a game to, let's say, 23. the rebounds and assists go up. Their efficiency goes up. Their shooting percentage goes up. But rarely do we see a guy in the most improved player conversation that actually contributes to this many wins for a team. Um, so what are your thoughts on this Eastern Conference race? And especially just this, how important that seeding is in the upper portion of the conference.
1: Yeah, the the Eastern Conference has really been a lot more intriguing than I initially thought it would mm-hmm. be. Um, I think we can both agree on that. Um, I did not think that Boston Celtics would struggle as much as they did this year. Obviously, right now they're sitting at the seventh seed, exactly five hundred thirty-five and 35 with two games left. Um, you know, I'm not a math guy, but 35 and 35 is 70, so two games left. Um <clears throat> um but yeah obviously the like you said the the Milwaukee Bucks as of, as of 2 days ago would go through the Miami Heat the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers and,
0: and let me stop. let me just pause you right there for a second is there a three is there three more difficult teams that you could go through i think that's the toughest three matchups you could possibly get in the playoffs and they're getting that as a third seed
1: yeah no yeah without a doubt the uh, The four best teams in my opinion are in the eastern conference are philly brooklyn uh milwaukee and miami as a third seed you would have to go through them all as of yesterday but right now as of right now may 13th um milwaukee would right now face the new york knicks who we just discussed um i do think milwaukee would beat them i think they would beat them in probably five or six games um so you know if you're a bucks fan you're hoping the standings stay this way but anything can happen within the next five six days, um, so who knows what's going to happen. Um, but right now, if you're a Bucks fan, you are really focused on on the on the final seating of your team. You're only right now a game and a half back, so you would have to win out and hope that hope the Nets lose at least two games to finish as the second seed. Because we discussed the other day over text, the second seed versus the third seed is huge in the Eastern Conference. Yeah um you know if you finish second you're facing a playing team who's played a couple extra games um you're most likely facing the Boston Celtics and you
0: avoid in- the oh, yeah and you avoid the Philadelphia 76ers until the Eastern Conference Finals until the Eastern Conference Finals and
1: you would play Brooklyn at home and as of about well, 2 weeks ago uh Brooklyn and Milwaukee had two games back to back in Milwaukee Wisconsin and Milwaukee beat them both so these are huge games uh if you're the Bucks, you want to win out but do I see it happening with Brooklyn losing two out of the next three I don't so it's unfortunate for Milwaukee but whatever happens over the next five six days of NBA basketball is going to be intriguing for the east in the final seedings and it's going to be extremely important
0: it definitely is and like you said the Bucs are sitting in a rough spot right now it looks like they will most likely end up with the third seed um for their sake, the last team that they want to face in the first rounds of the Heat. So they're hoping that the Knicks stay right where they are in that six seed and they can avoid the team that uh, ousted them in five games that felt very much like a gentleman's sweep last year in the bubble. It wasn't even close. The Heat walked all over the Milwaukee Bucks and so that's probably not the team they want to open up uh, the 21, uh, 2021 playoffs with. But let's go over a few potential matchups, Aiden. And one team that intrigues me, uh, especially because I vouch for them so much in this podcast, that's the Boston Celtics. Um, the Boston Celtics are currently the seventh seed right now. Like you said, Jalen Brown torn ligament in his hand. He is out for the year right now. Um, they will have to play a play-in game most likely. Uh, the Hornets are the eight seed right now, and the Pacers and the Wizards are the 9-10. Aiden, I think there's a scenario where the Hornets beat the Celtics, um, and let's just keep in mind the night before we recorded this podcast the celtics just lost to the cleveland cavaliers this season for the celtics has been an absolute disaster it's it's a th- it's a throwaway season no celtics fan is ever going to look back on the 2021 season with fond memories um it's it's been an utmost disaster for them i think there's a world where the hornets beat them and then let's say they play the Wizards in the in the next play-in game. Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, are those the two guys you want to be seeing in a play-in game? I think Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook think they can beat anyone in this entire conference. There's definitely a world where the Celtics don't even craft the playoffs. Am I wrong here, Aiden, or, or what do you think of the
1: Celtics' current situation here? No, there's definitely a world where I don't even see him getting in. Um, but I remember, I think it was our second episode. We did the kind of an East preview of way back when, and I predicted the Celtics to be finishing fourth. Um, this has been an utter disaster year for the Celtics. But yeah, they've been in, they've been injured. Uh, you know, they've had COVID problems. But um, you know, right now you have the Atlanta Hawks, Miami Heat, and the New York Knicks ahead of you. Um, as a team that that went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, that's not ideal whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, there there is a situation. Anything can happen in, in this play-in, play-in tournament. Um, the play-in tournament is extremely interesting by itself. Um, you know, causes great matchups and, you know, great interest for the league as a whole. So who knows what can happen. So I'm looking forward to it, though.
0: Really quickly here before we move on to the Western Conference, Aiden, uh, we've said this like four times this podcast, but but the date is Thursday, May 13th. Um, just for anyone listening. Who do you think comes out of the Eastern Conference? You've got the Philadelphia 76ers sitting in the one seed right now. They've played great basketball all year. Uh, before his injury, Joel Embiid looked like the, net, the MVP. You've got Brooklyn Nets sitting in the two seed, 46-24. and 24. Um James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. There's been very few times this year where all three of them have been healthy. They've barely played any games together, but yet here they are in the second seed. Third, you've got Milwaukee Bucks um, with the reigning still, the two-time reigning MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo putting up similar numbers this year with his sidekick, Chris Middleton. Uh, keep in mind they added uh, Drew Holiday. Um Great point guard, two-way point guard, and they added P.J. Tucker, who a lot of people are saying is washed. I think P.J. Tucker is going to be a great 3-and-D guy uh, come playoff time. Um, you could also mention the Miami Heat. Can't count them out after their finals run last year. We know what Jimmy Butler's capable of in the playoffs. This team is mostly the same. Aiden, as of today, I'm, you know, I doubt I've not mentioned a team that you're thinking of, but who do you see coming out of the East?
1: I, I see the Brooklyn Nets coming out of the East um, as much as I would like to not see the Brooklyn Nets coming out of the East with what happened with James Harden, as we've multiple times discussed about. Um, I think the, I think the, you know, the big three in Brooklyn, Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant are a three headed monster in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think a fully healthy Brooklyn Nets team would beat the Philadelphia 76ers uh, in a, in a seven game series. Yeah. I think they would, in a seven-game series, I do think it would probably go down to seven games uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks, but I do see Brooklyn coming out. But you know what happens? I've said it from time to time again. Offense wins games and defense wins championships. Um, the Brooklyn Nets are going to need to come up with stops in big games. And so far, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, the big three, we've barely seen it so far this year. They, there's there, There's always been one guy injured, and... You know, we've never really truly seen the big three uh, in Brooklyn, but offense wins games and defense wins championships, and I truly firmly believe that. And, uh, you know, Brooklyn has been, an, you know, a very poor defensive team. So if, if they want to win an NBA championship this, this year, they're going to have to figure it on the defensive end because they cannot rely to score 130 points a game uh, every game.
0: Uh, no, they can't, and we've seen flaws in their defensive ability multiple times. I mean, uh, you mentioned the two back-to-back games they played against Milwaukee coming down the stretch. Uh, they couldn't stop Giannis. They couldn't stop Chris Middleton. Um, their holes were definitely exposed. And Milwaukee, who in the for the past few years have been a very good defensive defensive team, they played well down the stretch, and they picked up back-to-back victories against the Brooklyn Nets. But granted, uh, James Harden was not there. And if my uh, memory's correct, I believe I read a stat that said that the Brooklyn Nets are 27-7 and this year when Harden plays. I just think he brings such a new element between his scoring and playmaking to that team. They scare me so much Um, as a Laker fan, and that's a long way away. We got to get out of the West. They got to get out of the West, but that still scares me. If I'm a Philadelphia 76ers fan or a Milwaukee Bucks fan, that scares me even more. (laughs) Like you said, a three-headed monster, and really, I think if they're all healthy, I can't see anyone else coming out of the East as well. Uh, Let's move out west here. We talked a little bit about a potential Suns-Lakers matchup. Aiden, I want to toss this question at you. You're the Los Angeles Lakers right now, currently sitting in the seventh seed with two games left. Uh, They have the potential to move up if things go their way uh, into the sixth seed, which would currently give them a first-round matchup against the Los Angeles Clippers. If you're a Laker fan, do you want to face... Uh, the Clippers in the first round, avoid the play-in game? Or would you rather drop to that seventh seed, play the Warriors in the play-in game first round, and then you'd either match up with the Phoenix Suns or the Utah Jazz? What do you think?
1: No doubt. As a Lakers fan, obviously, it would, it would kind of suck to, to play a play-in game as the defending champions, but this Clippers team is scary good, man. Um, yeah. You know, we have said time and time again, uh, between texts, the Clippers are a very good team this year. Uh, let's not forget what Cla- Kawhi Leonard did two years ago with the 2019 Toronto Raptors. But, um, you know, as, as a neutral fan, how intriguing would a Lakers-Clippers first round playoff series be? Um, you know, yeah, that would be terrific. But as, as a Lakers fan, I think you would much rather see the Phoenix Suns or the Utah Jazz uh, as a seventh seed. Uh, you know, whatever happens in the playing round, obviously you'd most likely right now play the Golden State Warriors. Maybe you play the Memphis Grizzlies, play the San Antonio, San Antonio Spurs. I think the Lakers would beat all three of those teams, you know, in a one game series. And obviously LeBron and AD would would prefer to get it done in one game. I think they would treat that game as a game seven. Um, so yeah, I think that you'd much rather play uh play play the Suns with the Jazz and end up in 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 the playing series. I just think we match up a lot better against the
0: Jazz and the Suns. I think the Jazz had a little bit of a Cinderella run in the regular season. Uh, They give me big 2015 Atlanta Hawks vibes where the Hawks won like 60 games or whatever. And then LeBron swept them without Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving. I just feel like that's a team built for the regular season and come playoff time. When they face the big dogs in the West, they're not going to be up to the challenge. And we talked about the Suns. uh, Very good team. I have a lot of respect for that ball club. They just don't match up well with Anthony Davis. And on top of that, their lack of playoff experience, I think, will uh, come into play. The Clippers are a lot better. Kawhi Leonard is not going to have... a worse series than he did against the Nuggets last year. That's about the worst you're going to see Kawhi Leonard play. I think fans have a very short memory. Uh, It was only two years ago that he dominated the Eastern Conference and brought the Toronto Raptors all the way to their first NBA title in franchise history. He's also got Paul George as the sidekick. And I know we make a lot of playoff P jokes, but Paul George, if he gets on, is a phenomenal NBA player, and if you watch the league, I don't even have to tell you that. And I think they got better this year. I mean, they got Serge Ibaka. That's a guy who can get his own bucket the odd time. He's way better defensively than Montrose Harrell, who they had last year. Not to mention Kawhi has been with this guy. He's won a title with him before. And then they got Rajon Rondo. We saw what Rajon Rondo did last year for the, play, for the Los Angeles Lakers. There's a reason why they called him playoff Rondo. He turns it up to another gear. I think this Clippers team is a lot better. And if I'm the Lakers coming off a lot of injuries and we're trying to find our chemistry, we're trying to find our flow coming into the playoffs, I want to avoid the Clippers as long as possible. Let's fall into that play-in game. Let's face the Jazz or the Suns, and we'll see what happens from there. Um, all right, Aiden, we've covered the two conferences, uh, we've talked about our surprises since our last podcast, before we move into NHL here, let's quickly talk about a few award winners. We talked about most improved and that is without a doubt, Julius Randall, his stats have translated into wins. Um, We don't think there's a case to be made for anyone else. We think he is the clear cut winner, but let's go to the big one. MVP, most valuable player. Aiden, who do you have as your 2021
1: MVP? I'm going to go off the board from a lot of people. Uh, I think most people would assume that Nikola Jokic would win MVP this year, but I'm going with my boy, Chris Paul. Um, you know, this season the Suns, like we mentioned earlier, are the second seed. at forty-eight and twenty-one. Chris Ball has had an outstanding year. He's played, he, uh, you know, he's played pretty much every single game. Sixteen and a half points, nine nine assists, and four and a half rebounds, and one and a half steals a game. And let's not forget this: this guy is only uh, six foot six foot tall, and one hundred seventy-five pounds. He's also thirty-four years of age. Um, but shooting 49% from the field, uh, 40% from three-point land, and he's having a career-best 93% percentage from the free throw, uh, from the stripe. Um, But let's not forget what he's done with this Phoenix Suns team. Uh, 2015-16, the Suns go from 23 to 59. They finished 14th that year. Go to the next year, 2016-17, Suns go 24 and 58. They finished 15th. 17-18 17, 18 Suns go 21 and 61. They go 15th. 2018, 19 to go 19 and 63. The worst in a decade. 15th in the West. And the 2019, 20 Suns, before the before the playoff bubble last year. They went 28 and 39, and they were sitting at 12 in the Western Conference. And like we mentioned earlier in this podcast, they they trade Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, they trade Ricky Rubio in a first round pick for Chris Paul, and all of a sudden, in a year later, uh, you're sitting. Uh, 48-21, and 21, second Western Conference. I think he he is the most value to a team. And that's the difference between, uh, you know, the MVP for me is the most value. It's the most valuable player. I think Chris Paul is the most valuable player in the NBA this this current season. And 2019-20, man, last year on the Oklahoma City Thunder, that was a terrible Oklahoma City th- uh, th- Thunder team. Everybody thought they were going to finish bottom of the West. He leads them to a fifth seed. He takes James Harden's Rockets uh, to game seven in the first round. And I, me and you, we did a little playoff prediction pool, and I picked OKC to win just because of Chris Paul. Um, but, yeah, so they, they take James Harden Rockets to the game seven in the first round. And in 2017-18, the Houston Rockets were the one seed in the Western Conference. They finished 65-17. and 17. They were up 3-2 on the Kevin Durant Warriors, arguably one of the best teams of all time. And you know CP3 gets hurt, and Golden State goes on to win in seven games. So a remor- a remarkable career for for Chris Paul. But this is not this is not you know a lifetime achievement award. This is what happens this season, and this is this is a career that's you know that's been terrific. But this is a season for a 34 year old Chris Paul that's just proven he's he's truly the point guard at the NBA. He's a terrific player. He's led a very mediocre team over the last 9, 10 years to the second seed in the West, and he's been the true difference maker. That is why he's my most valuable player.
0: We talked about this, Aiden MVP is a very weird award. We think it's sometimes stats-driven. Oftentimes it's narrative-driven. Sometimes people argue, but he's the most valuable It's very year-to-year in terms of what people will argue for who deserves this award. For example, Russell Westbrook wins it in 2017. He averages a triple-double. Well, guess what he's doing this year? Oh, that's right. He's averaging another triple-double. Aiden, have you heard anyone mention Russell Westbrook anywhere near the MVP conversation?
1: No, not at all. Right now, the, the Washington Wizards are 10th in the East. Well, it would be a regular season. Uh, they're not making the playoffs. But, yeah, he is averaging a triple level. And we were, we were talking earlier tonight, I love Russell Westbrook. I love him as a player. I love him as a person. But he's not MVP caliber this year, not even close. Um, but, yeah, some, sometimes, it's, uh, it's narrative based. sometimes it's it's narrative-based. Sometimes it is statistical-based. Um, so if it's truly statistical-based, you would assume that Russell Westbrook would win every single year. Um, I mean, this year he's averaging 22 points, 11.5 assists, and 11.5 rebounds off of 44% from the field. Um, he's averaged a triple-double for the last four of his last five seasons, Russell Westbrook. And just tonight he's moved 35, 35th, um, 35th all-time in points um, over Larry Bird, which is a terrific achievement for him. But it... If it's just uh, you know stats based, Russell Westbrook would win it. Would win the last four to last five years. He's averaged a triple double. That's probably the best stat line in the NBA. But that's not the case. Um, so, you know, this year people argue, oh Nikola Jokic is most likely MVP, which probably ninety percent of ninety five percent of people most likely agree that Jokic is the MVP because. And you compare CP three stat line compared to Jokic's, and yeah, Jokic just has a way better stat line, but. You know, if it's just based off stats, Westbrook will win every single year, right?
0: Yeah, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. And like another example I was going to bring up was Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's won our last two MVPs. This year, he's putting up very similar stats, but again, he's never really been in the top two to win MVP. I think people are just sick sick of it sick of his stories, and that's what often tends to happen with this award is when you're the new shiny bright toy no one's seen you before you're doing this for the first time people love you but if you do it for a few years yeah your your narrative's not as great anymore and they're probably going to move on to the newer and greater thing so i definitely see where you're coming from aiden i mean chris paul man How can you not respect this guy? He made New Orleans relevant. He went to the Clippers, made them relevant for the first time in how long. He went to the Rockets and, like you said, took the Kevin Durant Warriors within one game of elimination. And I think he would have eliminated them had he not gotten hurt. He goes to the OKC Thunder where people thought, His career was going to die. He somehow makes the playoffs and, like you said, takes the Rockets to seven. And here he is on the Suns, who haven't made the playoffs in 10 years. And they're the second seed. This guy, Chris Paul, man, if you're talking about value, his value cannot be understated. So I completely see where you're coming from. But with that being said, Aiden, I still gotta give it to Jokic. I, I got, I got to, I got to. In 69 games played so far this year, he's averaging 26 and a half points, 11 rebounds, eight assists on 56% shooting, 40% from three, and 87% from the free throw line. Aiden, Nikola Jokic is doing things with from the center position that we have never seen before. He basically takes up the ball a lot of times for them, most times. he The offense is run through this guy. You rarely ever see that from the center. And no, if you're a defender, you can't back off Jokic because he will drain the three in your face. Um. But I think the biggest thing with Jokic Aiden is his vision. There are very, very few individuals who will ever walk this earth who have the vision and passing ability of Nikola Jokic. I think Chris Paul's one of them. He's a floor general. I think LeBron James is one of them. Guys like Magic Johnson, Steve Nash, um, John Stockton. These are the elite of the elite passers. And Jokic, Aiden, is in that conversation. He will find you from anywhere on the floor. He'll pass it cross-court over his shoulder. One highlight that sticks out to me is uh, coming off a free throw. One of his players darts all the way down the court. Jokic uh, grabs the ball to inbound it, and he throws the most perfect one-handed pass like he's Tom Brady all the way cross court for a wide open layup. His passing ability is next level. And Aiden, there's a lot of guys we've seen that come into the league that are great scorers. Everyone's a great scorer, but how many guys have this passing ability? Even if you don't agree that Jokic is the MVP.
1: No, he's in most people's opinion, he's the an MVP and rightfully so. Um I just think the most viable, like I said, is Chris Paul, but I, I do believe that Nikola Jokic is going to win. You know, realistically, is going to win the MVP this year. Um, but yeah, like like we said, he he's averaged twenty six and a half points, eight and a half assists, and eleven rebounds. And he's and defensively, he's over a steal a game, um, and forty percent from three point land. Uh, he's 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 six foot eleven and two hundred and eighty five pounds. We've never seen somebody play like this ever. No. Like he's he's a definition of a true unicorn. He's a unicorn. He he's he's a true point center, and we've the NBA has never seen a true point center. No, we've never seen a center carry the ball like he has. Has the court vision like you mentioned. Um, I love watching him play. Um, You know he's he's a pleasure to watch. and he and he's only 26 years old, so who knows what's gonna happen yeah. in the next 10 years of his career? Like honestly, like he, he's gonna win MVP realistically this year, and who knows how many he can win from you know this year on? Like he's he's a pleasure to watch, and he's only gonna get better, which is scary. I don't know the record as of right now, but
0: I know that the Denver Nuggets, after they lost Jamal Murray, a lot of people thought that they were gonna fall off a cliff. They were sitting in the three-seed, I believe, when Jamal Murray tore his ACL. And they thought that without Jamal Murray that they weren't going to be able to, you know, keep up this pace of play. Well, here they are, third seed. I think the Nuggets won nine out of ten games (laughs) after Jamal Murray goes down, and that's just another credit to just how great Jokic has been this season. Without his co-star, putting a team on his back like that and winning – In such a tough Western Conference, he's been incredible. Um, If somebody wants to make the argument for Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Nikola Jokic, um, the list goes on. For MVP, totally get it. I just think Jokic is a clear cut guy. Uh, Aiden disagrees. He thinks that uh, Chris Paul brings more value. Totally get it. Both arguments make sense. I think that wraps up the NBA portion of this podcast. We're going to move in some hockey uh, after the break. That's coming up next. Stay with us. The NHL is coming up. And we're back with some uh, hockey talk. Aiden, a lot of this is going to be up to you. As you know, I don't watch a lot of hockey outside of the North Division right now. I'm a diehard Edmonton Oilers fan, and quite frankly, I couldn't give a crap what's happening outside of the North Division, uh, but Aiden does, and Aiden watches all the divisions, and he knows what's going on. He's up to date with players, teams, storylines, all that. So, Aiden, similar to what we did with the NBA, it's been a long time since we talked hockey. Uh Do you have one place that you want to go with your opening NHL rant? Again, it can be uh, with a potential playoff matchup. It can be with a team, whether they rose higher than you initially expected. um, Maybe they fell way lower than you thought they would. uh, Or maybe it's a player. I don't know. Anywhere in the NHL, where do you want to go? What is your biggest storyline going into the NHL playoffs?
1: Honestly, I would say the Florida Panthers. Um, The Florida Panthers, I believe, are a pretty forgotten team in most people's eyes, Mm -hmm. especially up here in Canada. Not a lot of people really watch Panthers games, care about the Panthers, they're just a whatever franchise but they truly have great players on their team they have jonathan huberto who this year put up 61 points in 55 games uh they have alexander barkov who put up 58 points in 50 games who's been who's been regarded as the most underrated player in the nhl for probably the last three or four years but just because he plays he plays in fort lauderdale florida and nobody knows about him you know um and w- w- which, which is fair um because florida has never really been a great team but um going in uh in the in the central division uh, we know the playoff matchups that division is Carolina versus Nashville, Florida versus Tampa Bay. That means we have an all Florida uh playoff matchup. Uh, this is the first time in in both teams histories that they've ever played each other that we've had a battle of Florida in the <clears throat> excuse me in the in, in the playoffs. So I'm really looking forward to this but People had a lot of concerns with the Florida Panthers because, at the beginning of the year, uh, you know th- they had new ownership, they had new managers, and they were discussing scratching Keith Yandel, who I love. I have I have a Coyotes Keith Yandle T-shirt from probably back in like junior high. I love Keith Yandel. He he is right now. He, he he's over. I think he's pretty. I'm pretty sure he's at over 920 straight NHL games. He holds a. Uh, uh, the most active Ironman streak in the NHL over 920 straight NHL games, which is incredible. But at the beginning of the year, the Florida Panthers new ownership in GM, we're talking, well, you know, we don't really want Keith Yandel on our team just because, you know, he turns the puck over quite a bit, but no, no, screw that. He's, he's an absolute riverboat gambler. he, He's extremely offensive defenseman, which I love. He takes he takes risks, which is which is fun to watch. But, you know, he's a great defenseman. He's the best you ask anybody in that Florida locker room, Coyotes locker room, any locker room that he's played in. He's a tremendous teammate. Everybody loves to have him there. So I, I found Florida incredibly, you know, fun to watch this year. But my biggest concern about them was – about a month and a bit ago, however long that was, they lost Aaron Eplad, who I think is a top 10 NHL defenseman. He had a gruesome leg injury. He's done for the year. Obviously, he he gets hit into the boards weird. His leg just has a terrible, terrible, you know, pretty much bend in a fall, and, and he's done for the year. It was just not not, not a pretty video to watch. So, you know, losing, losing a top 10 NHL D-man in your best season that you've had in a while as a franchise is, is hard to, to, to go through. And that was my biggest that was my biggest concern, but they've been able to hold off the defending Stanley cup champions, Tampa Bay lightning for, for home ice in, in this first round and they get a matchup with Tampa Bay. So I'm, ex, I'm extremely excited to watch this this first round matchup between Florida and Tampa Bay. Um, I think this has kind of been my, my, my biggest surprise just because, you know, Florida's a pretty forgotten about franchise and, and they lose, I think, you know, one of the best defensemen in the NHL, and they're sitting second in in a really good central division.
0: I agree, they're absolutely forgotten, Aiden, especially up in Canada here. You hear very little about the Florida Panthers. Um, they're eight and two in their last ten. And like you said, they're ahead of the defending Stanley Cup champions, and they lost their best defenseman. I just think for a team to lose someone who means that much to them and still be able to move forward and play this well just speaks to not only how good this team is, but to the people in the locker room, the organization as a whole. Um, what a season for the Florida Panthers. But I'll pose you with this question before we move on from them. Do you think that they have a legitimate chance to make it out of the Central Division? Um The Carolina Hurricanes, first place in Central, been a very good team uh, for the past few years now. They're always dangerous. And like you said, their first round matchup is the defending cup champs and the Tampa Bay Lightning Do they have a legitimate chance of getting out of here without Aaron Ekblad? Or do you think that, you know, the regular season was great, but most likely they're not getting by these two teams?
1: You know, that's a really good question. Uh, I mean, time will obviously tell, but I think right now, uh, a week before the playoffs start, I do believe that they have a legitimate chance to come out of that central division. You know, right now, Tampa Bay, they're unsure if Kucherov is going to be back. Obviously, he's missed the entire regular season, but there was, you know, talk all year that he's going to be back for playoffs, but that's not been confirmed. Um, you know, so are they going to have Kucherov back? Are they going to have Stanfos back? You know, Tampa Bay is a very banged-up team right now, injury-wise. So depending on, on you know, on, on the health of Tampa Bay Lightning, I think if Tampa Bay is missing maybe one or two of their top players, Florida has a legitimate chance to beat Tampa Bay. And, you know, this could be a best-of-seven series. They could play each other seven times in a row. But the last two regular season games – For florida and tampa bay were against each other and florida beat them i believe it was 10 to 1 in those two games florida beat up tampa bay so i i think they have a legitimate chance carolina i think um has been a terrific team team to watch honestly this year carolina and florida have been my two favorite teams to watch in the nhl Um, they play exciting hockey Um, they have terrific players So, yeah, the Central Division is something to watch. So I I actually legitimately do believe that the Florida Panthers do have a chance to to make it out of the Central Division. It's going to be tough, but I think they have a chance.
0: Sam Bennett, Aiden, for the Calgary Flames, formerly the beginning of the season, I think he had something like 13 points in 30-some-odd games played for them. Not playing very well. He said at some point that season that he wanted out. Well, he got his wish. He goes to Florida. Yes, ten games played, fifteen points. Aiden, I read that Sam Bennett has the most points through ten games in Florida Panthers history, passing the legend Pavel Bure for that record. What has contributed to this guy's crazy resurgence here? Is it just change of scenery? Is it a toxic environment in Calgary? I don't know. Do you have any idea why Sam Bennett's playing so well here right now?
1: No, I've I've always said that Sam Bennett is is a really really good hockey player. Obviously, he gets, you know, he he gets kind of disregarded because, you know that, that 2014 I believe it was NHL draft, um, you know Drysaddle gets picked um, by the Oilers, and Sam Bennett yeah uh, Leon Drysaddle goes third overall, and Sam Bennett goes fourth to the Calgary Flames. And obviously, Leon Draisaitl is a top three NHL player as of this season. And Sam Bennett's not turned out to be that that kind of player. But um, I do I always believe that Sam Bennett's been a very good hockey player. Obviously, he's not lived up to the ex- expectation. I think a Calgary Flame fan would want as a fourth overall pick. But yeah, like this season, in thirty eight games in Calgary, he only had four goals, eight assists for twelve points. In ten games, he's had fifteen points. And, yeah, that stat you read about Pavel Bure and, and Sam Bennett's completely completely right. I read the same thing. Um, so it, it's it's really unbelievable what's happened to Sam Bennett, you know, kind of his, his revival, maybe a change, a change of scenery, a, a whole lot of pressure media-wise going from, you know, Fort Lauderdale, Miami area, Florida, <clears throat> from Calgary. It's a whole lot of less media pressure. So, I, I mean, I don't know him personally, obviously. Like, maybe, maybe he's having a whole bunch of fun down there and just a lot less stressed out. But that's what I would assume. But, yeah, I mean, and obviously Florida's a lot better team than the Calgary Flames this year. But, no, he's having a terrific year so far in Florida. And, you know, I, I'm pretty happy for him, honestly. He's just, he took a lot of the abuse in Calgary. And, uh yeah, he's having a great year in Florida.
0: Yeah, good for him. Uh Moving on from the Panthers, Aiden, I remember you beginning of the NHL season. I don't mean to expose you or call you out here or anything. You're a guy who follows hockey. Like I said, I trust your hockey knowledge a lot. You told me at the beginning of the season multiple times, you believed that the Pittsburgh Penguins would miss the NHL playoffs in the East division this year. Well, Here they are, 56 games played. They are 37-16-3, 77 points tied for first in the division with the Washington Capitals. I believe they've already won the division because I saw somewhere that the Capitals are matched up with the Boston Bruins in the first round. So I think the Penguins won the division. Aiden, how did they go from a team that you thought may miss the playoffs to here they are, Winning
1: a very difficult East division. Well, yeah, oh, dude, 100% man. You, I was completely wrong. I, I believe that at the start of the year, the Washington Capitals, Boston Bruins, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, and the Philadelphia of Flyers were going to be better than the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. And I've turned out to be completely wrong. Uh, Fifty six games, all fifty six played. Pittsburgh Penguins, first in the Eastern Conference. They're going to be playing the fourth seed New York Islanders, which is a very hard matchup. This East Division is the best division in hockey. Ruthless. The Penguins, Capitals, Bruins, and Islanders, I think, are four of the top ten NHL teams, and that's all in one division. So whoever makes it out of uh, makes it out of that division, is going to go through. You know, it's going to throw going to go through an absolute battle. They're going to be extremely fatigued for that third round. But yeah, I, I was completely wrong on this Pittsburgh Penguins team. Um, you know, they they made terrific trades at the deadline. They 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 acquired Jeff Carter. Uh, you know, he's he, I think he. I believe he's thirty five or thirty six years old now. But you know, proven winner, great great presence in the locker room. And you no, know, he's 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 got thirty points through fifty four games this year. You know, as an older guy, that's all that's all you could ask for as a third line center. I mean. First line center, yeah, Sidney Crosby, sixty two points, fifty five games. He's thirty three years old. He's he's you know he's been terrific this year in an extremely difficult division. Um, and obviously Malkin's been injured a lot this year. He's got only twenty eight points through thirty three games. He's been injured. Um,
0: Which is crazy that they've won like they have in this East Division without Evgeny Malkin.
1: Yeah, that 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 just goes to show how how good this Pittsburgh team, this Pittsburgh Penguins team, has been. Um, and I was completely wrong on them. Former Edmonton Oil King goalie, Tristan Jari, uh been terrific this year. Uh record of twenty-five, nine, and three, uh, with a nine oh nine save percentage, terrific stats. Um, Jake Gensel, fifty-seven points, fifty over a point per game, fifty-six games, obviously. Uh Chris Latang, Brian Rust. Honestly, Brian Rust, he's he's twenty nine years old. Everybody has just I don't, know, I don't know if a lot of people talk about Brian Russ, but everybody thinks he's well past his prime. He's only 29 years old. He's put up 22 goals this year. But anyways, Pittsburgh Penguins, they've completely proven me wrong. Um, but, yeah, this East Division is torture, man. Pittsburgh, Islanders, Washington, Boston. And Boston Bruins are a much-improved team than they were at the deadline before they acquired Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. Um, yeah, this this East Division is the best division in hockey without a doubt this season.
0: Uh, really quick, Aiden, we're 15 minutes in. I don't want to go much over 20. I know we want to get to the NHL's North Division, but really quick. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights, Colorado Avalanche, <clears throat> most would say are the two best teams in the Western Conference this year. Uh, very similar records in that West Division. Uh, 30 seconds, who do you think makes it out of there?
1: Vegas i think vegas over the last four years have been the best team in the nhl first year they first year from expansion they go in, you know they, they go to the Stanley cup finals who would have thought uh, and obviously the next year they have that horrible uh horrible phantom call the high stick against san jose san jose scores i think it was three goals in five minutes on the power play and of course that 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 uh that created the rule change where you can video that but that was obviously not reviewable and it cost them. and But no, I think uh, over the last five years, the Vegas Golden Knights, or the last four years, have been the best team in the NHL as a whole. And I think this year they have better goaltending than the Colorado Colorado Avalanche. Colorado and Vegas match up terrifically, offense, defense. But I think uh, the, the, the duo of of Marc-Andre Fleury and Rob, Robin Leonard, I think will push them over line over Colorado. But who knows? I've been wrong before, obviously. I just talked about the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I, I do think that Vegas is, I think, the best team in the NHL this season.
0: Uh, finally, let's move into the North. We've talked about the Vancouver Canucks this year. They're currently sitting last place in the North Division. Uh Tough season for the Canucks. They came in with such high expectations. They lost uh, their best player, Elias Pettersson, for a large chunk of the season. Obviously, they had the most difficult battle in the whole NFL with, with COVID-19. Um, very sad situation there. They came back. uh struggled to get their groove back um canucks just a disappointment all around a lot of that can't even be blamed directly on them calgary flames uh we've talked about them as well a lot they acquired jacob markstrom they thought that this was going to be their year um they would push for a top seed in the north uh look to make it out of this division but here they are uh 23 26 and three currently sitting second last in the division uh, the Ottawa Senators, right now, 56 games played, 23, 28, and 5. Um, they've been playing great hockey as of late. I believe they've won nine out of their last 12. They beat the one seed Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Um, Senators are a good story. A lot of good young talent Brady Techuk, Tim Stutzla, Thomas Chabot. They're going to be good. Uh, we'll get to them probably in the off-season. We'll do a season preview and cover them. They're playing really well as of late. Good to see for the Senators. Um, I'm sure their fans are very excited for the future. But Aiden, let's get to the playoff teams because we know what four teams are going to be in the playoffs in the North Division. In the one seed, it's Toronto Maple Leafs, they'll be facing off against the Montreal Canadiens. The two-seed Edmonton, Oilers will be facing off against the uh, struggling, as of late, Winnipeg Jets. I'll let you start wherever you want with this. Uh, Which matchup intrigues you more? Do you have a team that you really like? Is there a team you can see coming out of this division? What do you think of the playoff pitcher in the North right now?
1: I think the North Division is extremely extremely difficult to predict it's extremely fascinating to watch um and i'm i'm really excited to watch uh, th- this year's playoffs uh obviously uh montreal and toronto police i believe it's the first time since 1979 i believe that they have matched up in against each other in mm-hmm. playoffs that's a terrific yeah you know, that's, that's a terrific story right there two original six teams um the, the only two Canadian original six teams,
0: big fan bases, no, huge know, fan everywhere die in hard, Canada, yep. diehard
1: everywhere you go across Canada, Toronto, May police fans, Montreal, Canadians fans. So that, that playoff series is going to be terrific just by, just by itself, history based and moving on to Edmonton, Winnipeg. Uh, obviously Edmonton has had Winnipeg's number this year, without a doubt. Um, they have Conor David, uh, the best player in the world, and it's not even close. Um, so I, I do think that, uh, over the, the seven game series. I do think that Montreal will probably beat. excuse me. I, I believe that Toronto will beat Montreal um, in in probably six games. And I, I do believe that, uh, that the Edmonton Oilers will beat the Winnipeg Jets in probably five or six games. But I, I do think, uh, I think a lot of people think that the Oilers will be able to roll the Jets. I don't think it'll come that easy. Obviously playoff hockey is a completely different beast. Um, and uh, but yeah, I, I do think that Karma David and Leandre Seidel and the Oilers, I, I, I think they they probably beat the Jets within six, and I think the Maple Leafs they beat the the Canadians within within five or six as well. It just depends on uh, on honestly on Harry on how Care, Carey Price plays for the Canadians. What do you think?
0: Um, I'll start here as an Edmonton Oilers fan. I don't expect anything as we enter the playoffs, just because we haven't had. Uh, much playoff action in the last 15 years. We won, we've won. we won one series since 2006. So as an Oilers fan, we're always very cautious going into the playoffs. Um, the Winnipeg Jets, as we mentioned, have been absolutely reeling as of late, two and eight in their last 10. But Aiden, this is a team with where their core has a lot of playoff experience. Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, um, Nikolai Ehlers, Connor Hallibuck, reigning Vesna Trophy winner. Um, there's a lot of people who think the Oilers are just going to roll over the Winnipeg Jets, and I do not think that's the case. I think there's something to be said in every sport for playoff experience, and the Winnipeg Jets have that. Um can I ask you really quick, though, just because uh, honestly, I don't know the answer and I'm very curious? What has contributed, in your opinion, to the Winnipeg Jets' downfall as of late. I told you in a previous podcast that they scared me as a team. They were playing very good hockey. They would always push the Oilers when they'd play in the regular season. Why in this last month or so have they fallen off a cliff so bad and almost they almost fell into the fourth seed in the conference after it was basically confirmed that they had locked up the third? What happened to this team, and how can they bounce back going into the playoffs?
1: Well, Nikolai Ehlers, who's been a terrific player for Winnipeg all year, and I know a whole bunch of my other buddies do not like him because he always seems to score against you two know. others. You know, he plays terrific against Edmonton. Uh, he, he's been hurt the last, I believe, three weeks, and that is, you know, he's one of the best players. That's been a significant contribution to Winnipeg's recent struggles. And I believe they were missing uh, Mark Scheifele, I believe. Uh, it was either him or, him or Blake Wheeler. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, they've they've been they've been depleted up front. And, and I said at the beginning of our podcast that, w- that the Winnipeg Jets have one of the best top six forward units in the NHL. Uh, they, they have Scheifele, they have Wheeler, they have Ehlers, they have Kyle Connor. Uh, they have, now they have Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think they have a tremendous top six. <clears throat> um, and obviously they have Connor Helbach, who's who's one of the best goalies in the NHL. Obviously he won the Vizna, uh as of late. And... I believe that he's going to be the USA's starting Olympic goaltender uh, ne- ne- next year when the Olympics go on. So, you know, this is a scary team on paper. Uh, obviously, as of late, they've struggled, and I think it's just honestly been because of their, their injury, injury woes, but that's a huge thing to come back from. It's tough to just come back from, you know, an injured team and going up against the best player in the world and the second or third best player in the world on Leon Dreisaitl. With obviously the best player in the world, Connor David, and just hop right into it in a seven-game playoff series—that that might be tough. Um, but yeah, obviously as, as Oilers fans, and not not a lot of not a lot of success over the, the past many years. But I think uh, as an Oilers fan, you've got to be confident going into this one.
0: Uh, final question here, Aiden, before we wrap this up. Let's say hypothetically the Maple Leafs beat the Canadians in the first round, as many expect, and the Oilers beat the Winnipeg Jets in the first round. Um, The Maple Leafs and the Oilers would match up in the North Division final, I guess you would call it, uh, or second round, whatever. The Maple Leafs have had the Oilers number this year. I'll admit it. We lost those three straight games to them mid-season, and we lost them real bad. I think we got blown out every game, and I think those were also at home here in Edmonton. Uh, We've just struggled against the Leafs, whereas uh, against pretty much every other team in this division, we've been able to have a positive record against them this year. So going into that series, Aiden, I believe a lot of people would think the least would come out of the North fairly easily. My argument as an Euler fan would be this. We have the best player in the series in Connor McDavid. That's hands down, not a doubt. Regardless, regardless of what the... Toronto media writers say about Austin Matthews being robbed of the heart by Connor McDavid or comparing Matthews season to Gretzky's 92 goal season. I, I, I don't know. I, I truly believe that most hockey fans with their head on straight would think that Connor McDavid's the best player in the series. We also have Leon Drysaddle, the reigning heart trophy winner right now. Uh, we have Darnell Nurse, who in my opinion has been the best defenseman in this division. Uh, all year. There can be arguments made for guys like Jeff Petrie, but I, I truly believe he's been the best defenseman in this division. And I also think that Mike Smith this year has been the best goalie in the division. I think Mike Smith has the highest safe percentage in Oilers history. He's played phenomenal, stood on his head all year at 39 years of age. So, Aiden, we have probably the two best forwards in the series best defenseman in the series and the best goalie in the series. Is that enough to give the Others a chance to come out of this
1: division or do you think the Maple Leafs just have the Others number this year? I'm gonna tell you this right now, buddy. I think as long as the way that connor David and Leandre sort of playing and Mike Smith, the Edmonton Oilers have a chance at the Stanley Cup. I'm gonna wow. tell you that right now. Wow. Um, that's big. I, I do I do think that top to bottom the Toronto Maple Leafs are a deeper team. They are a more complete team than the Edmonton Oilers, um, but it, it does depend on on how goaltending plays out in the series. Obviously, Mike Smith, who's been one, one of the best, if not the best, goalie throughout the North Division this year. Um, obviously, I've seen it very firsthand. I have two Arizona Phoenix Coyotes, Mike Smith jerseys. I love Mike Smith. He took us to the 2012 playoffs or 2012 Western Conference finals in the playoffs that year. Um, playoff Mike Smith is within him, mm-hmm. but we've also seen playoff Mike Smith where he struggled in the Calgary Flames. So it, it depends what Mike Smith you're getting, um, but vice versa. You, you have. I think you have a goalie really controversy in Toronto. Uh, Amerson's going to be back come playoff time. Jack Campbell's gone, I think, 14-4, I think, in, in his absence. Who do you start? You know, and that's that's just going to be a, a big controversy going in. But you know, I, I've said it all year. Connor McDavid is by far the best player in the National Hockey League, and Austin Matthews is the best pure goal scorer in the Hockey League. Those are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. McDavid is is by far the better player. And buddy, you know, I love Matthews. He's an Arizona boy. I hope he goes to Coyotes one day, but he's nowhere clear. is nowhere near close. Connor McDavid. Um, yeah, he, he has the best wrist shot snapshot in the NHL, uh, Matthews, and he's the best pure goal scorer, but it's completely different between the best player. Um, so I, you know, I, I think it'd be a terrific series. Um, Mitch Marty Leon Dreisaitl, maybe may the best 1B guys in, in the NHL right there, both of them on, on their respective teams. So I. I don't know. who I don't know what's going to happen assuming that, that the Leafs do beat the Canadians and the Oilers do beat the Jets. I think we have a tremendous playoff series that's been well in the making uh, this year. But I don't know. My prediction as of right now, I, I do believe that, that the Maple Leafs will beat the Oilers in probably six or seven games, but it's going to be very close. I think, uh, like I said right at the beginning of this, this topic, I think the way that McDavid and Dreisler are playing, the Oilers have a chance of winning the North and maybe going to the Stanley Cup Finals.
0: Uh, last question, Aiden. We've gone way over our time. That's fine, though. We had a lot to catch up on. It's been a while since we did a podcast. Um, really quick, 20 seconds. Who do you got winning
1: the Stanley Cup? Win the Stanley Cup? I do have the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. Um, you were and- adamant about
0: them being the best team. You still believe it, hey?
1: I still believe it. I think Mark andre Fleury and Robin Leonard are, are the best 1-2 matchup Goaltending matchup in the NHL, and I think uh, I believe that Vegas is is going to win win first in that in that Western division, and that avoids a, a you know you get St. Louis, who's a terrific team, but you you avoid uh, a scary matchup with the with the uh, with the Minnesota Wild, who's been terrific this year. So I think uh, I think yeah, I think the Vegas Golden Knights are would be my Stanley Cup pick.
0: Um, just say it really quick before we wrap it up. My pick the Edmonton Oilers. Go Oilers, baby. All the way home. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it down White Ave, the parade this year. 06 Cup run, reincarnated, times 10. Here we go. Oilers are back. We're back. Um. Other than that, Aiden, I think, I think we covered a lot today. I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we call it a day on Episode 7? Go Yotes. It feels good to be back, doesn't it?
1: Oh, Well, I'm, this has been great. Obviously, this is our first live in person uh, on the Run podcast. It's been so much better than just, uh, you know, obviously, province away over the laptop. But, yeah, I'm excited to get this going over the summer here.
0: Summer's going to be great. We have a lot of great ideas coming at you guys, a lot of exciting things. Uh, thank you for listening. Keep your eyes out for Episode 8 coming at you soon. We will see you later. Peace out.